This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. In 1280 The Zone, it's time to talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. We're going to get to our guy, Big T Bailey, coming up here momentarily. Of course, uh, thorough, usually AT&T Sportsnet, but they've been doing the Summer League, and that's been on uh, K-Jazz and NBA TV. What are you smirking about over there? (laughs) Because I just read a headline online that was really funny. Well, please share. No, because I might use it for the not sports report. Oh, you're going <laughs> to keep it in the queue, huh? Yeah. Let's hope it exceeds the last couple of days. <laughs> I'm holding out hope. Do I need to repeat what you know, national day it was? No. In fact, that's the the absolute one I'm referring to. No, we do not need to, to go down you that direction. You didn't find that interesting no. at all, huh? No, nope, not, not one, one bit. No, nope, not one bit. Those are the not sports reports. I just sit out. You know, like you take it, you run. Should we get to the nut of the story? Oh, jeez. All right, <laughs> let's jump out to the zone phone. Uh, the uh, Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property that is concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Of course, normally you see him on AT&T Sportsnet on the Jazz broadcast, but he's been doing Summer League on NBA TV as well as K-Jazz. He's the one and only Thurl Big T Bailey. What's going on, Thurl? What's going on, gentlemen? Doing well. Hey, we're excited to talk a little jazz basketball with you, and we'll get to your thoughts on summer league. But let's start off getting your thoughts on uh, on the off season, uh, potentially, uh, you know, reports. Of course, uh, bringing back Michael uh, Conley, uh, adding Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside. Uh, your thoughts on the off season so far? Yeah, we have to say media reports now, don't we? Of course, yeah, um, it's officially a report until it's done. Yeah. Of course, right? Yeah, yeah. I really, you know, I, I think I I kind of knew. I think most people who are connected with the Jazz kind of knew the priorities, right, what the Jazz were going to try to be focusing on, um, keeping Mike Conley here, which I think was a huge plus for the Jazz. Um, it may not have ended well playoffs, especially for him not being able to contribute, but I know he's got a lot more in the tank, and a lot more to give, and I'm glad the Jazz saw that as well. I know Jazz Nation sees it, so there's a there was a, you know, especially the regular season and, and how that ended. Uh, there's something being built here that you don't want to mess with too much if you're, you know, if you know basketball, uh, but you've got to do some things that will that will get you get you past where you've been and, and get you to the top. So what do you? Let's take this individually. Besides Mike Conley, how do you feel about the addition of Rudy Gay? You know, I really like that. I was, I was really, it was really tough, you know, because you, you have a, even we have kind of an investment as fans. I know we, we do our work and stuff, but this is where we are. When you know how good of a guy Derek Favors was and what he contributed to the Jazz and then even in coming back, um, you know, that's part of the business 
that that's going to happen. But um, when you know other players and what you feel like the Jazz feel like they need, right? What was missing? What 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 could what ingredient could we add that would that would make us more dangerous? You've got a veteran guy who can score the ball and he's got the the basketball wherewithal and acumen and mid-range. And, and so I think that piece in itself, along with uh, the philosophy here, um, you know, I don't know how it all works out now, but I, I know that there are players who would love to play for Quinn. And uh, I've, I've got a feeling that he's he's one of them with also uh, something left. And we can keep moving down the line. I mean, Hassan Whiteside, somebody who's had a, a rivalry with Rudy Gobert in the in the past. Thurl, he he comes in there. You know, it was a rival probably because they're somewhat similar players. I mean, I'd certainly take Rudy a hundred out of a hundred times, but you know, maybe he is a good fit to to get those minutes when Rudy isn't on the floor. I think your track record counts, and I, I think the good and the bad, right? I mean, you have to take it all. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's he might have been the first, the quickest person to go from a minimum to a max back to a minimum and of course that's on the business side but he he's shown that he could he can be an impactful player not just defensively right and blocking shots and and rebounding but i think this is a guy who's had four triple doubles with you know part of that one of those doubles being blocked shots so he's got something and and i and i i'm hoping that uh, you know, being in this system with a great defensive guy as well, uh, the Jazz really needed need, needed to improve. You know what's coming off that bench, and especially in the long haul uh, with a long season uh, with guys. Uh, you don't know what the injury bug is going to bring, like we didn't know this year. But uh, I think he could be a huge asset to a defensive-minded coach like Quinn that has the best defense player on the team and now you're getting a guy who could be right up there again as well Thorough another addition to Eric Pascal and uh, he's a childhood friend of uh, Donovan Mitchell's and when I'm seeing what the Jazz are doing there's the physical side of improving the team and getting them ready and maybe maybe making them more flexible in case they run into the Clippers again and doing some of the things that uh, filling some of the holes and trying to make the team better from a physical standpoint. But from a mental standpoint, how difficult is it for these guys who had built up their expectations through the regular season, best record in the league, and then they lose in the second round to the Clips, especially the way they lost going up by two and then losing four straight. Uh, I mean, for the, the what we hear is that guys like Donovan Mitchell were devastated by this. And how valuable is it to buck everybody up a little bit with with some moves that uh, makes them maybe feel a little better about what their prospects are moving forward? Is there value in that? I think there's a ton of value in that. Um, and, and those moves aren't just directed towards the court, right? I mean, you can go back to Rudy Gay. He was a Grizzly with Mike Conley, right? Um Relationships matter in, 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 on this team, uh, and that's never been lost on me. That it's a big part of who this Jazz team is. Now you got to win games. You got to have the right ingredients out there. But um, in the difficult times, right? And it doesn't have a ton of those. But 
there was some stretches there that, you know, they had to, you know, to, to be there for each other. And that's what you heard coming out of the locker room and, and interviews and stuff. Um, but if you can do that and, 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 and also improve to the point where you put the pieces together to where you know you're going to compete for a ring, uh, you know you're going to be better than last year, you're going to have, you're going to have the same philosophy and some things might be the same, but uh, now you're going to have a better chance to, to get what you want. So I think uh, when you talk about bucking the guys up, they're not just looking at what the moves were, but who the moves were. And, and you know, you talked about childhood friendship uh, with Donovan Mitchell um, and, and Pascal. So uh, those things are important, right? The familiarity that you have with guys and, and the plan that all of you want to, you know, you want to go to the, the top of the mountain together. So that's a great question. But I think uh, – I think the Jazz are really looking at that as well. Thurl, I want to switch gears to uh, to Summer League. And, of course, uh, part of the fun of Summer League is there's usually a name or two or three of uh, the younger players that you're really eager to get an eye on to see how they've developed or, or where their game is at. And the top of the list for me uh, for Summer League this year, Thurl, was uh, Doak, our boy Azabuki. Um, give me your, your thoughts. He was great yesterday. I love Doak. I uh, just love his attitude, his toughness. Uh, he's going to hurt a lot of people, right? And and I don't mean like, you know, consciously go out and beat him up, but it's going to feel like it. Um, Doak will only – he's he's good with his own right, but he'll only be as effective and good on the offensive end as, as who he's surrounded with. And I think a lot of the same goes with Rudy, although he's gotten to a point where he can he can find other ways to score. But Doak has a presence about him that's unlike Rudy's in a way. Um, he can block shots, but he's he's just uh, he's just a mountain of a man that once he walks out on the court, he exudes. It's going to be a tough night for you, right? And, and so um, he's still young too, right? He's going to develop some of that within Quinn's philosophy. But I love watching him in summer league because. He doesn't take it like it's summer league, right? He's serious. He, he's, you know, he's he's looking to make his mark and anytime he steps out there on the floor. So I'm excited to see his development and what he's going to bring. And, uh, you know, he's got to compete though, right? I mean, you talk about bringing other guys in. Part of it is you've got to compete for your minutes. And so, you know, with, with three mountainous guys with the Jazz, you know, you're going to have some – I love to see some of those practices where they're just going at each other. So, Thurl, I love these stories about these players who are underappreciated, undervalued, and who make themselves serviceable NBA players, and in some cases a lot better than that. Is there anybody, and maybe you just answered the question with uh, Doak, but is there anybody on these summer league teams who oh, could yeah. eventually help the Jazz in a way that is beyond just occasional scrub minutes? Trent Forrest. I don't have to think about it. He plays like a, a seasoned pro, right? You, you, can't, you can't speed him up, right? He, he's not going to rush him into, into making the best play or doing what he needs to do out on the court. Uh, I love his demeanor. I love his leadership qualities as he's out there being the floor general. 
Uh, I know that those are the qualities the Jazz has seen in him already. I think we saw signs of that as well when he got, you know, some minutes. Um, but he's going to be a really, really good pro. And as he continues to develop and understand what, what Quinn wants out of him and earn more minutes, because that's where I think it's really proven, right? If you can, you never know what the circumstances are, but you're going to be called at a certain point in time to give the team something. Five minutes, 10, maybe under some other circumstances, start, you know, who knows. But he seems like a guy that uh, I'm okay with, with whatever you call me in to do. I'm going to do it the right way and, and do it uh, like I've been there before. He's, he's definitely played that way. I like the way you said that, Thoreau. Play like you've done it before, like you've, you've been there before, because it seems like so many of the younger guys who are trying to prove themselves can't do that. You know, no. they, they can't cross that threshold, and you think this kid can? I think he can because, he, he, you know, as I, as I understand, you know, summer league and what Coach Peavy has to do and, and Brian Bailey, um, these guys haven't spent a lot of time together, especially on that, on that blue team. Um, you can tell that a lot of guys on the white team have, and they understand the philosophy of, of executing and playing great defense. So you can tell. Right. I mean, you'll watch tomorrow night when both blue and white play each other. Um, there are certain guys who haven't they don't they haven't been around it enough yet. Right. So they think that the pressure is on them to look good or to catch and and shoot that three point shot when they could have passed it one more time for a better shot. Um, so uh, and that's what development's all about. Right. I, I think, uh, you know, a guy like Trent Forrest really, really has something, you know, if you, if you know what you're looking for, he's got it and, and you know what to develop in him. So, uh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you know what somebody, some, sometimes the game's hard to call because guys aren't familiar with each other. And it looks like, you know, the Strolls summer league out of, out of Philadelphia and it, uh, I don't know why I picked Strohs. It was just beer that came to my mind. But um, it, it's that's the way it is. And that's when you watch these guys play and try to make a mark for themselves, whether it's in the league or somewhere overseas, um, you know, you have to understand what the Jazz are really looking to develop. What did you think of the Jazz draft night, Thurl? Oh, I really loved it. Um, you know, I, I never, ever question. Uh, I, I think that historically the Jazz have done their homework, done their research, and even if there's a guy, you know, that, that's ahead of what they, you know, what they want that might be a, a better player in some areas, a better shooter or whatever, um, I always think that they will, they will pick somebody they know can fit into what they're trying to accomplish. And so uh, some about those Baylor guys too, man, that, you know, they're, they're coached very well. And so uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Do you care at all about what's going on with Team USA over in Tokyo? Uh, Jake doesn't really care so much about these things. He thinks that uh, Team USA only really makes headlines when they lose. They're only when interesting they when they lose. <laughs> okay. Do you, what do you make of this? Do you, I mean, what do you think? I love it. I mean, I, I, 
you know, one, I, I, it's not just basketball. It's every single sport I can get a chance to watch. Maybe some that I didn't know a lot about. Um, but I know that this country is being represented and people are going to, there are going to be some great stories coming out of there. There's going to be some, and not just stories of success, but, you know, defeat and, and how to come back from that. But in particular in basketball, I like the fact that, you know, you guys not too long ago remember when, you know, everybody was just like jaw-dropping when U.S. teams walked in and the game was over before it even started. And now you with kind of you, you look at what Slovenia is doing with, uh, with, with their team and, uh, you know, Australia and basketball, we've always known as global, but the talent level. It's just freaking amazing. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm rooting for Team USA, and and it's good to see those guys collectively come together because each one of them have to sacrifice something, right? I mean, everybody's the man on their own team, but you know, you, it's it's. I look at it in that way, right? Who's who's going to sacrifice a little bit, right? Is 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 um, uh, KD, you know, going to? give up a few shots for somebody else and pass a little bit more. So I'm starting to see that. They know that's what they have to do to win. And it was good to see that, uh, you know, in the game the other night. You know, I don't think I've ever asked you this before, Thurl, but uh, were you always just a, a basketball uh, kid growing up, or did you dabble with other sports? Did you do any of the Olympic sports, or were you were you all ball all the time? I was mostly all ball all the time. I, You know, I was courageous enough to, to venture out, like in junior high and high school, try out for baseball uh, and that's when I learned about strike zones how mine was just way too big to connect <laughs> <laughs> uh, and first base when you know a ground ball was coming and by the time I got down there it was way behind me so you know I just kind of put two and two together and decided to focus on you know I have something you can't teach. What can I put that to good use? And basketball was the natural fit. And, and I was horrible uh, always, all the way to high school, but there were coaches that saw potential, and once they saw that in me and convinced me I had something, uh, then it took off. So that begs the question then, Thurl. Obviously a great professional basketball career, but if you could have chosen any sport to be as good at as you were at basketball, which one would it have been? <clears throat> That's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> I'd have to say I could have chosen any sport. Wow. I think when you're a one-sport guy, you never really think about that stuff because you enjoy a lot of different sports, but I couldn't see myself in them. Uh, tennis player, maybe. Uh, you know, 6'11", some great <laughs> lateral movement. Can just hang out at the net. Oh, you'd have time. a big serve. You'd have a big serve. <laughs> big serve, right? And hang out at the net and just dare them to try to lob it over me. That type of thing. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I think I think Big T would be a fine speed skater. Oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> We've got that world class facility out there in Kearns, T. Let's get you. Oh, uh, that would training. be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, well, Thurl, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. We're loving the Summer League broadcasts, and we'll be watching tomorrow. Thank you, guys. You guys do a great job as well. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Thurl.
Thurl Bailey, the the great big T. Speed skating. Huh? <laughs> no, I just thought he's got those long strides, right? Powerful legs. And you know when you when you like lean forward to win the race, you know what I'm saying? He can give himself an advantage there, huh? <laughs> Every time I've ever asked you that question, you always say golf. Oh yeah, that's the easy one for me. Yeah, for sure. Be amazing to be a pro golfer. That's the lifestyle for me. <laughs> okay, just playing beautiful golf courses, right? And, and being treated like yeah, like and just someone important. Being having your your backside uh, kissed twenty four seven. Plus, it's like a rolling party everywhere the PGA Tour goes. They're the biggest deal in town. I could see you hanging out with Bryson and Brooksy. Just don't call Bryson Brooksy. <laughs> He'll have you removed. <laughs> yeah. All right. But well, tennis, I you know what? I bet you I could see that Thurl being a good tennis player. Yeah. Because tall tennis players can be can be remember uh who was it? What was that guy's name? Wasn't it Goran Ivanisevich? Wasn't he super tall? He was like six eight, six nine, was wasn't he? he? Oh, and just had that monster serve. Be a serve and volley guy being tall. I could see that. Yeah, there have been some that's the thing about tennis though. There have been a lot of Really short tennis players. Michael Chang was short. Michael Chang's a good example. Agassi is pretty short. Wasn't Chang like 5'8 or something? Yeah. Agassi, I think, was like six foot even, or yeah. is. We shouldn't yeah. say was, like they're not still with us. Sampras was tall, though. He's like 6'4. Yeah. And other guys were, were tall, like you mentioned. Serena's short. She is? Yeah, I think so. I think she's only like 5'4, five, 5'5. Five, five. What? Hold on, let's not see. Serena. Venus, Serena. Venus is tall. But Serena is too, isn't she? Isn't Serena like 5'8? Five nine? Uh, let's see. Hold on. I think she is. Uh, let's see here. Five nine. Okay, a little taller than I was thinking. That's pretty tall. Five nine. Anyway, I I find that kind of thought really fascinating because these guys are such great athletes, and put them in a different realm. And see how that athleticism might pay off or play out. Venus and, is six one. Yeah. Lindsay Davenport was tall too. If you could be any height, what height would you want? Eight foot six. Come on, really. What are you what are you now? Six, six even. And uh, what what would been what would have been the I'm fine with how tall I am. See, if you were, of course, the answer to the question is seven foot. Because if you were seven foot with your coordination, you could have been a great basketball player. But I'm just talking about it. I think six four sounds about right. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. No. And then you're awkward fitting planes and cars and stuff. <laughs> and that. But like, uh, I've I've got a friend who's six eight, mm-hmm. and could not be less interested in the sport of basketball. Yeah. But yet, every single person he meets. Did you play basketball? Hey, you must play basketball. You're tall. You're a basketball player? I like it when tall people, especially women, take great pride in being tall. Because I remember a day where where some women would try to reduce their height for whatever reason. And I never understood it. And so when I see a tall woman wear high heels... I think it's super cool. And uh, a couple of my daughters are pretty tall. Um, but I I think it's I think it's cool when people accentuate what what they are. Why not? Well, uh, more big show coming up next. Thanks to Big T for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. 975 and 1280 the zone. Oh, let the 
This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Olympic update right there brought to you by friends at Syringa Networks working from home or with a hybrid workforce. Get a powerful IT partner, Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Gordon, I uh, want to ask you about uh, Ben Simmons. Okay. So there are a couple of things out uh, about uh, Ben Simmons today. Uh, one is that he's basically ghosting the Sixers. He has not had any communication with the 76ers, basically, in the offseason. Why not? I don't know. Maybe because the 76ers are actively trying to trade him? Because their coach said that he couldn't play him in a playoff game? Yeah, maybe something, something along those lines. But he has not uh, communicated to them. But he has made it known that he would like to be traded to the Warriors. The Warriors. R- reportedly, he's he said he'd be okay with moving to the Warriors. So, which is, both these things are the most Ben Simmons thing ever, right? Like, I'm just going to will it so because I'm Ben Simmons. <laughs> I'm the rookie of the year because I say so. I'm, I'm the, the defensive, defensive player <laughs> of the year because I say so because I'm Ben Simmons. And if I just put it out there into the atmosphere, it's got to be true. Uh, I, I don't know what happened in this guy's past, and I, I, I can't psychoanalyze him, but I'm telling you there is something that took place in his early years that inflated his ego to levels that are just ridiculous. Well, to the point where he's not he's not coachable to fix his shot. You know, he's... He's never done that. He's never put in the work to fix the shot. And has he or hasn't he? Because if I were him and I had his skill set, I'd be doing everything possible. I would, and I had his bank account, I would hire the best shot doctor in the world. And I would say, please help me fix this. Well, he hasn't gotten any better in his career. But the the ghosting Philadelphia thing makes me laugh, too, because isn't that one of those you can't fire me, I quit kind of things? <laughs> I don't no, know. you can't trade me. I'm ghosting you. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm the important one here. Hmm. I just, it, it's, I don't know. I'm not shocked that Philly can't get this big haul for him that they want. I, I think it's ridiculous that they're they're asking for so much because anybody with a brain knows that he's a significantly flawed player. And and timing is most important because you got to sell high, right? So I understand why Philly wants to sell high, but I certainly understand why teams are not going to do that. Well, right now it's low. They're trying to sell high when it's low. Well, that's the thing that Ben Simmons, by creating a riff with a franchise, really lowers, lowers his even value. More. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what advice he's getting or who he's listening to. LeBron. But, yeah. He's a clutch guy. Yeah, I suppose. But – He's he's got some maturing to do. I hope he gets traded to the Kings. I saw that that the Kings would be interested in Ben Simmons. I thought perfect. Who would the Sixers want in return? 
Fox. Probably. And then picks. The way it is right now, I wouldn't trade De'Aaron Fox for him. Would you? Oh, man, I'd, I'd, tra- I'd trade De'Aaron Fox for very few players in the league. Yeah. I think. But it's the Kings, you know, they're going to screw it up. <laughs> You're pretty confident. <laughs> they that. catch lightning in a bottle, and they're bound to screw it up. Yeah. That's... Well, you know what's going to happen with De'Aaron Fox is they're going to uh, trip all over themselves trying to put a decent team around him and a decent coach uh, in place, and they're going to basically run out of time, and then he's going to bounce because he wants to win a game or two in his career. I bet that's what's going to happen. That's why it's so important when you do get one of these rare star players to do everything you can to build a team around them because otherwise it just goes to waste. Well, they've got De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, who I think is a good player. Mm -hmm. How do you not build at least a playoff contender around those two guys? Well, How is that not possible? People thought they were going to do it and didn't. didn't. Who are these crazy people? I'd like to meet them. (laughs) Come on, the – the 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 vibe on on the Kings a couple of years ago, beginning a couple of years ago, was hey, this might turn into something good. And has it? No. Exactly my point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you should be able to do something around those two guys. You would think so. Both those players are good. Now maybe maybe Heald is in a two on a playoff team. Maybe Heald's a three. That's tall's buddy. He's short, isn't he? Although I've been uh, bad on heights today, so yeah. <laughs> uh, he can shoot it, though, man, and uh, that's pretty valuable in the modern NBA, I'd say. Yeah, he's six six, plays hard, right? So maybe maybe he can't be your second best player, but could he be your third? And he could be a playoff team. I mean, you gotta 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 do something at some point, you know, like the Lakers. Uh, the 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 Lakers are pushing it all into the middle, right? They're signing all these geriatrics, and basically <laughs> they're trading for Russell Westbrook, and they're paying all their payroll to three guys. I mean, they're doing zero planning for the future. It is it is all in on next year, right? Mm-hmm. Sacramento's like the opposite, where it's like they're all year all in on five years from now, but have been all in on five years from now for the last twenty. I think that's more the Thunder than it is the Kings. Well, right now, but that's smart for the Thunder mm-hmm. because the Thunder were a consistent playoff team, had a pretty good run, and now are turning it over. Well, Sacramento's been turning it over since <laughs> Jason Williams. <laughs> Mitch Richmond. They're still trying the to replace Mitch Richmond. Uh, when Pager was playing for him? I mean, remember those great— right. uh, early those, 2000s. Yeah. That's the last time they were even relevant. So I think— I don't think it's fair to compare Sacramento to Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City just they just blew it up and they're starting again. Now, if it's 2045 and Oklahoma City <laughs> is still trying to get off the mat, well, then maybe then we could compare them to the Kings. But how I th- this was true of the Clippers for years, right, Gordon? How do you have so many draft picks and the opportunity to add so many good players and still just suck forever? You how make, is that even you, you possible? Make, you make mistakes. Oh yeah, and by the way, if you a few people have written about this, if you Google the players that the the Kings have missed on with their draft picks, it's it's like the who's who of the NBA that the Kings could have. Well, with the old Clippers, it was worse than that because when they did make a smart draft pick, then they wouldn't hold on to them. They wouldn't pay them. They'd move them. Yeah. Who was that big stiff that they took number one back in the day? The Cl- oh, uh, the Candy Man. 
Oh, Mike, candy? Michael Ola Candy. <laughs> one of the worst number one picks ever. Yeah. He's, he's, that wasn't as bad as Anthony Bennett, probably. But that's in the same conversation. I, I don't know how you could miss that badly with that high a pick. Well, there's been a, there's been a few. I mean, Greg Oden was a miss for a different reason. Well, that was health. Yeah. Yeah. But still a miss nonetheless. Yeah, I suppose. The Candyman was a miss. Anthony Bennett's that's got to be the worst one ever. I, I mean, he went from number one pick to out of the league in like two years. <laughs> yeah, that did not work out. Not at all. I don't know. That's why really smart basketball people who are terrific at evaluating talent are, are worth a lot. Now, if they would just – not everyone who has those positions is very good at it. Now, if they would have just uh, taken the the Urban Meyer approach and uh, had all the prospects <laughs> play one on one and just keep the winners, <laughs> oh, that's a man. joke from earlier in the show. Yeah, sorry is, for sorry. those of you who weren't with us. All right, coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. What's going on at five? Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day, with no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to uh, we're going to Tooele. We're going to uh, Texas. And we're going to Florida. A little local flavor today, huh? Yeah, I'm going to mix this in a little bit. I don't understand why snake owners keep losing their snakes. Why do dog owners lose their dogs? Uh, yeah, but a snake. Don't you keep a snake pretty well contained? Do people let snakes just roam free in their house? No, but dogs are supposed to be on a leash. Yeah, but sometimes time. dogs will escape the house, you know. They'll go out the doggy door or something. But Same a snake, thing. Do people let their pet snakes just roam around their house? No, but maybe don't you, you keep them in some sort of container? Well, maybe you don't uh, s- secure the container well enough. Oh, apparently not. Well, uh, in Tooele, apparently an eight-foot snake went missing, a boa constrictor. This happened uh, in, er, in early July. Well, it was found, apparently, by uh, animal rescue folks. They uh, showed up looking around for this snake. And they found it in the house. It had slithered uh, behind like a freezer. This is from a story in the Tribune. Um, it was found alive Wednesday. It went missing a month ago and was a found, found alive Wednesday next to a deep freezer in the owner's house. The owner couldn't find it in the house. And those snakes are pretty sneaky. An eight-foot snake lost in your house. A boa constrictor. Wouldn't that freak you out if you were laying in bed at night and a boa constrictor slithered up and wrapped itself around your neck? Oh, I 
think the likelihood of that is probably quite low. And if you own a snake in the first place, you probably have a certain amount of comfort with the idea, right? I suppose. But let me tell you this story. This is from Grand Prairie, Texas. Apparently, a, uh, a, a West African banded cobra slithered uh, away from the owner and got loose in the neighborhood. And you say, okay, it's a snake that got loose. It's kind of scary. Well, this snake happened to be, it happens to be venomous and considered extremely dangerous. And it's slithering around the neighborhood. Well, that, that raises a bunch of other questions. Like, it can't be legal to own a cobra, right? Oh, and that, where, that's the and next where, question. Where, and it's where not, on earth, where did you buy one? I, I don't know. The story didn't contain that, but they, they what are. What is this, some sort of Sherlock Holmes villain? Why would you, why would you, <laughs> why would you buy a cobra? Uh, people do weird things, man. I guess. A venomous snake as a pet? Well, they have those churches that uh, handle rattlers, right? The snake handler churches. What's that? The uh, the Church of the Holy. Uh, no, they're they're snake? called like snake handlers. There's some uh, Bible passage that said if the righteous, the serpents will not strike thee or something. So they just like dance around with rattlesnakes. You never heard of that? I uh, it, it's 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 ringing a bell way back somewhere, but I that sounds like a really dumb idea. Well, you know, they believe in it. Didn't Moses throw down his uh, scepter or whatever, and it turned into a snake? Sure. In front of Pharaoh. Okay. That's the way I remember. Uh, who was the guy who played uh, played uh, Moses in the movie? Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. And then I have this story. A 33-year-old man in Florida, well, he caused a disturbance at a grocery store. And the story does not exactly specify what the disturbance was. But he, to get away, he ran, jumped on a moped, and made his escape. However, police tracked him down, and they pulled him over <laughs> on his moped. And he informed the uh, police officers that he was an agent for the FBI. Now, what do you suppose the reaction of one of the police officers were when they found out that this guy was an agent for the FBI? I'm guessing disbelief. They did not believe him, and he so he provided uh, deputies with a badge and a badge number uh, identifying him as an FBI agent. Well, it turns out that the guy was not an FBI agent. You don't say. <laughs> it was falsified. <clears throat> And uh, but he was, however, uh, there was a warrant out for his uh, arrest for trespassing. That sounds much more likely. Now, okay, so here's my question: When you get pulled over on your moped after creating a disturbance, after at creating a, a, at a disturbance, Publix, right? Who? I mean, how does one think that one can lie to peace officers and say they are an FBI agent? And does that seem like a good idea? I mean, doesn't it seem to you that they're going to be able to find out easily? That you, I mean, who's this guy think he is, Olden Polonies? I knew there was an Olden Polonies joke coming. 
Well, first of all, I'd say drugs are bad, probably. Is, is you think the, that had There's no of mention this. of drugs yeah, in the story. But, yeah. You know, probably, I'm guessing either drugs or alcohol were involved in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Usually play a role when there's a public disturbance at a Publix down there in Florida, but that's just just uh, just guessing here. But let me ask you this. You've you've raised a number of children, and I don't uh, want you to, to necessarily sell anybody out, but did one of your kids ever come home with a real whopper about something? You're like, how you thought you could get away with that? Probably. And I don't recall any, any, you know, like right a now. scratch on the car or something, and then uh, just a, a real whopper where you're looking at them like, no, I don't think that uh, the car was abducted by an alien spaceship and they left a nick on it, you know? Speaking of which, there's a little dent in my truck. A little. Trucks one. are supposed to have dents. They are? Yes. Well, I didn't put it there. So somebody, what happened? I don't know. I haven't been able to get uh, to the bottom of that one. But anyway, I guess here, here's my here's the moral of the story. A public service announcement, as it were. If you have a plastic badge at home, even if it's not plastic, but it's not real, don't flash it in front of other police officers thinking you're going to get away with it. Seems like common sense. It sure does. We've got what's going on coming up next. It is The Big Show. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.